welcome back to quarantine part two. Um, let's fucking do it. We are just as slammed as we were at the end of the last episode. We're just if, we're just gonna do it, if not more. We are just just do it. Gonna do it. <laughs> oh, we have them now, and we're gonna have a whole bunch more hotkeys too, ready for the next episode. Oh, you missed you missed that one. What? <laughs> I said, I said, oh, we have them now. <laughs> I have you now. <laughs> there we go. Now we can begin. Now we can begin. Okay. <laughs> you shouldn't tell the person who is interviewing you to shut their mouth. You're sounding stupid now. <laughs> I love these. I found a whole bunch of these stepbrothers ones in here. Well, we, this is this is the experimental episode. I know. We're just figuring out how this online system works. Because of COVID-19, we've moved to a digital realm where now we're improvising and trying to find new ways to produce this podcast. Oh, and yeah. there, are, there are a ton of different ways that we can do this. And I'm starting to like this digital world. Oh, yeah. It's... it's you know, like, there are some great innovations in that regard in, in terms of the technology that makes people connected. You know, it, it comes with a lot of that negative stuff, but there's a lot of people that just want to stay connected like this. Like if people like, for instance, like if you, you know, in your radio career, like if you, you know, in a couple months, you know, if your practicum's done, you're officially graduated from Nate and you move to, Vancouver, Prince George. I don't even don't even go down that road, Craig. Why? Don't even want to think about graduating yet in a time like this when jobs are so scarce. Oh no, no. I think well, and radio is one of those industries where it's like there will be a demand for it. Like there will be people that still want you to come out to their market. I mean, that means you might have to go somewhere small. Or I mean. Look Maybe. at the present situation. The fact that a production manager, my production manager, called me, who is an intern, somebody who's not getting paid, somebody who technically doesn't have to be considered to work right now, physically really? went his way during a time of despair and is like, we are a media outlet of all things that should be operating right now. We need to be operating. and. Yeah. I made myself resourceful and it's, it's crazy to see how well this industry can, you know, stretch oh, yeah. and form when it needs to, to still be able to work, which is insane. Absolutely. It, it, it does. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things. Yeah, that, that reply was moonshine right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hold on. I'm going to put this conversation on pause for exactly 32 seconds. Okay. That's pretty specific. No, you'll see why. Hold on. Hold. Just, just hold your horses. Just gonna be here. So, why do you put the fucking Jeopardy music on? Really? I could have filled the time. Like, I could have fucking talked over this shit. 32 seconds of this crap. Right? I'm counting it down. I didn't start the countdown. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be... Okay. 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 Uh, that's exactly why. 
That's exactly. Why did 32 seconds? How did you know it was going to be that specific? You think I'm not going to cue up the Jeopardy theme and know what the length is when it's looking at me right in front of the, right in front of my face on the screen? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I thought you said it was going to take you 32 seconds to get the beer. I did know it was going to take me 32 seconds to get the beer because that's how long the song was going to play. Fucking gypsy over here. <laughs> and so I, I, I decided I would run out to the fridge and run back in less than 30 seconds to make sure that I got here in time. And sure enough, in the last five quick. seconds, I made it. Must be pretty quick. You must not be wearing pants. <laughs> I'm wearing those. Uh, pardon me. I got a beer burps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing those. Uh, what are those like active sweatpants per se? Active sweatpants. Like, you know, how are sweatpants active? They're like sweatpants, but they look like you could go out in them. They're Don't like one of those guys that wears sweatpants when he goes out. No, they're not sweat. They, they are, but they're not like when you look at them, they look like a comfy pair of just casual, like I'm going out to the skating rink pants, like not sweat, sweat pants, but like, I don't know how to explain it. They look sportier than I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're Costco brand. I I have no idea what brand they are. Interesting. So are are there those like black sweatpants that are like kind of, kind of sporty? These ones are gray, and then they have like a weird pattern right over the kneecap. They've got like a weird looking pattern that goes over the kneecap, kind of like a brace, and then it goes back down to a regular tapered sweatpant at the bottom. They're very comfortable. They're very nice. They've got pockets on the back and on the insides and on the actual sides. Like there's so many pockets. You wouldn't think sweatpants need these many pockets, but there are. There are. (laughs) And they're there. I try and fit Medangus in each one of them. (laughs) It's a challenge. Oh, of course. It's it's so hard with your average sized penis. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm rocking sweatpants too, though. I'm rocking the cheap ones. That's the thing. Like, what is the ideal COVID pandemic quarantine outfit? I would imagine it would be sweatpants. Or you know, you know what I do because like I I run pretty hot. Like I got I I'm always hot. You know, in terms of my body temperature, like Bailey will always like she steals my heat every night. She's like I'm the furnace, right? Yeah. Um. So sometimes I feel like sweatpants. I just I get too sweaty in them. Right. Hence the name. Um, yes. <laughs> Hence the name, but at the end of the day, whoo, you know it, it's it, it, it it's. <laughs> I'm running on I'm I'm running on moonshine brain right now. Just um, do it. <laughs> it I I'll I'll throw on a pair of comfy shorts. Okay. So I'll wear like comfy shorts and like like and like a wife beater or like a cut off like cut off t shirt. Like right now, I'm rocking my Def Leppard 2016 tour t shirt. Right now, I'm rocking my Led Zeppelin 1970 tour two tour t shirt. 
That's a sick t-shirt. Is that with one of your dad's? No, that's it's not an actual tour t-shirt. Uh, it's one of those, like a replica. Uh, picture of it. Led Zeppelin came to communist Poland. Like you may, I I don't know. I mean, obviously, you probably have heard this song before. Uh, this is my dad's favorite song. It's the only song by Led Zeppelin that he knows. It's funny because I was just like whittling, whittling away, doing some woodworking in the garage, and then I remember my father coming in one day and was like, "What's this song that's playing?" He's like, "This is Led Zeppelin. I love this. It was the Ocean." Oh, remember the Ocean? That's a good too. Oh, they've got like a long intro here. There it is. What was the ding? That was a text message from Bailey's somebody. Uh, a friend. Oh, you got a text message from your girlfriend at ten, three minutes to ten o'clock. <laughs> no, somebody texting Bailey, but her her phone number is connected to her laptop, so her friend's text showed up here. Okay, so, I forgot that you were running off of her laptop right now. Of course, I am taking advantage of that that crane master's dollar. Trying to find the right sound effect here. <laughs> There it is. Oh, a little, a little guy that sleeps with kids. There you go. That's a good one to put in there. This was a great one. He doesn't. Hey, that was that was uh, Michael Jackson. Stop. Just stop. Intro. Michael Jackson. Ah, <laughs> uh, I guess I guess he doesn't want me to get the truth out. Well, Michael Jackson was a pedophile, and he uh, slept with a boy. Well, Michael Jackson, <laughs> would you quit it? God damn it! Oprah did a thing on you. Oh, <laughs> Oprah did a thing on you. Oh, she I'm did. Sure, I'm sure he did a thing on Oprah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. This you is a episode. This is a terrible episode. <laughs> well, we're both drinking. One of us needs to stay sober. Do you know what that was? Was that? Was that? Here, I'll play one more. Uh, that's Jab of the Hut. That's Jab of the Hut. All the way. Sukbone. <laughs> it's funny because there are so many different hotkeys for Jab of the Hut, but none of them make sense. Like I have Bantha Fodder, Chuka, chuka No Guy. Konya Eschu, Sakboine, Nichcha Kol, Nacho Isla, and Banane Tolga. Uh, Do yeah, any yeah. of those make sense to you? Banane Korda. That does kind of make sense. 
Yeah, the, the laughs make sense. Or like the whole, whole, whole is like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get that one. But here, I got this one here. Here, check this one out. Here we go. Hey, what? It's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That's my favorite comeback in history. We're gonna have to put a whole bunch of these together. Was that oh. from that um in Bruges? No, who's the Irish guy that you told me to listen to? The Irish guy. Which what, what was this? Today? He, he's got his own movies. Colin Farrell? Like the Angry Irishman or something? The Angry Irishman. We do Oh, you talk about the Angry Scotsman from that movie in the loop? Maybe he's the angry Scotsman. The one where he goes like, where she's like, she's like, I felt it found it ran right within my purview. And he's like, in your purview. He's like, well, let me allow to pop a jotty little bonnet in your purview and ram it up the shit out of a lubricated horse. Isn't he like, isn't he bald in that movie or something kind of? He's what? In, I'm pretty, Malcolm Tucker, I think is his name. Yeah, Malcolm Tucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, see when I tell your wife about you and Angela Heaney at the Blackpool conference, what would be best? An email, a phone call, or what? Hey, I could write it on a cake with those little silver balls. Your hack husband betrayed you on October the 4th. Congratulations on the new baby. Yeah, maybe it's better to spike it. Yeah, okay. Fuckity bye. <laughs> Fuckity bye. <laughs> Fuckity bye. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to watch that entire 15 minute clip on YouTube again. Oh, you forced, I think it's pretty quick. If you keep playing that one, I think it gets to it pretty quick. You relax. Have you been get me fucking Brian. <laughs> Don't get me fucking Brian. I'm gonna come over there. I'm gonna lock you in a fucking flotation tank and pump it full of sewage until you fucking drown. Wait, that game fucking cool. Unforeseeable. That's what you are. Come on, Malcolm. He asked me for, for for a personal opinion. But why didn't you say? I mean, he asked you. Fuck. Of course, that explains it. Yeah. See if he'd asked you to fucking black up, or to give him your pin number, or to <laughs> shit yourself. Would you have done that as well? I would. It was radio. Nobody would have known. <laughs> well, war is basically Very unforeseeable, good. isn't it? That is not our line. Walk the fucking line. Look, we've got Canon Clark over from Washington today. Okay. We're Come on. Goons here to stage a fucking coup d'etat. Minister, uh, not the time, love. I'm busy. Fuck off. I apologise for Malcolm. Don't apologise for me. Apologise for yourself. So did I not just tell you to fuck off, and yet you're still here? It's true. I am. Yes, still here. Hi, fittest boy. Lesson one. <laughs> I tell you, what do you do? F off. You'll go far. Well, fuck off. Why wasn't I told about this? Why the fuck would I tell you about it? I've told you to fuck off twice and yet you're still here. You should tell me about it because it's a scheduled media appearance by this department, Secretary of State, so therefore it falls well within my purview. Within your purview? Yes. Where do you think you are? In some fucking Regency costume drama. <laughs> this is a government department, not a fucking Jane fucking Austen novel. Malcolm. Allow me to pop a jaunty little bonnet on your purview and run out of the shitter with a lubricated horse cock. <laughs> My husband works for Tower Bandits, and believe me, those kids make you sound like Angela Lansbury. She's married to a bastard. You! Hey! Put your sniffer out there. 
if the PVC ambushes a minister with another surprise question about the war, I'll drop a bomb on them. I, well, I can't do that. Drop a bomb on them. He's good. That actor is Peter Capaldi. <laughs> he, he actually he actually was one of the Doctor Who's. He was Doctor Who for a while. In no way is he related to Lewis Capaldi, is he? It's a, he is actually the singer. He's his uncle. Are you kidding me? No, it's his uncle. I actually looked that up myself because I know I knew of Peter Capaldi before Lewis Capaldi. Uh, st- well, he got that he had that really big song this year or past year. Yeah, someone you loved or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. the guy the guy has pipes, but like I I didn't yeah. think it would be. Uh, well, yeah, because because uh, Lewis Capaldi, like, yeah, he's Scottish. I mean, have you ever heard him in interviews? He's like, he's really Scottish. Hey, he talks to you like, oh, yeah, it's just I think he was in. Um, well, let's let's see if I can find it here. Lewis Capaldi, Ooh, Brit Awards. So this is his. Uh, this is his speech from the Brit Awards, which was absolutely hammered. The award. For the song of the year, I'll bring him up goes here. This makes Lewis massive hit time last year. Here we go. Hello. Hello. My name is Lewis. Thanks very thanks very, very much for this. Contrary to popular belief, a lot of people think this song is about my ex-girlfriend who you can now see every night on Love Island. But, <laughs> but um, it's actually about my, my grandmother who, uh, who has who is sadly, sadly, sadly passed away a few years ago. Uh, and I hope to God that ITV don't contact her to be on a reality dating TV show. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, thank you so much. This has been the best, the best year of my life. Uh, thanks to everyone like you. Thanks to the label. Thanks to my mum and dad for, I don't know, making love. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, thanks to my grandmother for uh, dying. Sorry. Um, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> to my grandmother for uh, 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 dying <laughs> oh god that is such a Scottish he just came right beach. walks up with a full bottle of champagne posts it right on the podium <laughs> to the microphone and like leans over to the side and just begins his speech and is like yeah that was about my ex-girlfriend you, you, can know, you can tell which part of the British Isles someone comes from just by how they accept an award <laughs> an English person would go up there and be like, "Oh, um, oh, thank you. This is uh, this is actually quite lovely. Um, I worked really hard on this, and 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 all the fans have been amazing. I'm a record company. Uh, my producer John Thomas and um, my my labels, you know, Peter Showwire and 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 Marcus Aurelius. Um, thank you so much for uh, you know, believing in me and 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 everything. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Glorious. Love you all. Right. So- That's an English person." And then, and then a Welsh person would be up there and be like, like, oh, oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Um, thank you for the award. You know, everybody, you know, it turns me on from Wales and it's, you know, it's, it's fucking, uh, you know, it's good. It's good to get this award because, you know, I'm fi- finally relevant. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a great feeling to get. And, uh, you know, so 
So everybody's, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you again. And I uh, can't believe I'm here. And uh, back home, I'm sorry, it's still raining. But it, it might stop raining. <laughs> it might stop raining. <laughs> right. An Irish person, they'll get up there, depending on what part of Ireland. I mean, the Republic of Ireland, you won't be able to understand them because they're all drunk. Yeah. But the Irish people will get up there and just be like, oh, you know, I mean, this is quite extraordinary. I really love this award. I mean, it's quite fantastic. Really. Who thought I'd win someone like that? Isn't it? It's great, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, quite lovely. I mean, anybody have any something to drink? <laughs> Somebody pour me a Guinness. I have a Jameson. Something. I'm, I'm ready to get fucking lit up. Absolutely plastered. I Start a potato for you. Fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. Where's my sports? Right. But a Scotsman. Scotsman gets up at an English award show because they call it the Brit Awards, but let's not fucking pull any punches. It's in London, right? And a Scotsman <laughs> gets up on stage and he gets his award and he just goes, uh, I'm sorry, isn't that? Oh, I'm here. And, oh, yeah. Look at all these pasty English bastards. Uh, you know, it's, I worked really hard on this trophy and uh, people thought this was about my girlfriend, but I mean, uh, I mean, it's fucking not. My grandmother's dead, and that's who it's about. But, uh, you know, it's all right. Thanks for my parents for raising me to be a true Scottish drunk. And uh, my ex-girlfriend, who's a sheep. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, it's always fantastic, really. Is so, that you when you're... Is that, was that you at, like, your grad? <laughs> Did you... <laughs> Yeah, here, keep that music going. I'll do my speech, my accepted speech here. Uh, all right. Um, fucking graduate. I mean, we are going to university or college, or some of you are just going to go to Fort McMurray to snort a bunch of cocaine. But at the end of the day, they're all proud of some of all of us here getting our diplomas and walking out of here. Unless you're one of those people that couldn't pass religion class, then fucking good luck, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so those of us here, uh, it's, you know, going forward, I thought, you know, it'd be quite extraordinary for this award, you know. I mean, we are uh, going to do some pretty extraordinary things, and uh, here's to all you ugly bastards. <laughs> The entire time I was doing these speeches, I was holding up the mason jar, which I finished. Which you finished, by the way. Congratulations. I I'm found an entire jar of Applejack. It's as tall as I'm the computer. Giving you a digital cheers right now through our screens. A toast to quarantine, isolation, staying safe, and absolutely getting plastered during the recording of this podcast. Of course. Of course. Okay, you want me to do the Australian acceptance speech? This is an Australian. Just do it! <laughs> Here's the Australian. Okay. Ah, good day. Welcome to Banff National Park. <laughs> uh, I think it's... Uh, Just maybe Whistler. <laughs> I'm from Whistler, and, uh, you know, you go hiking in here in the mountains in Canada. <laughs> I'll be a true god. Actually, you know what? I found out something hilarious about Australia. 
you know, if you're to think of like back into like the 1800s, late 1800s, who's like a Canadian, like kind of like hero that like stood up for like rights and something like that? Like who, who's one of the first people that comes to mind? In the 1800s? Yeah, like kind of back when like, you know, Canada was being discovered and became a country and stuff like that. Like who, like 1867, around that era, like who was like a Canadian that you think of that like, you know, stood up for rights or like, you know, like a freedom I'm, fighter? I'm thinking prime ministers right now. Prime ministers are like, one of the guys that came to mind was like Louis Riel. Louis Riel, yes. Well, Australians. <laughs> <laughs> they have a guy called Ned Kelly. And so Ned Kelly was born in Australia in the province of – or not the province, the colony of Victoria, which is you're, the you're, – You're saying Ned Kelly, correct? Ned Kelly, yes. Who, who is in like no way, shape, or form uh, – he's in no way, shape, or form related to potentially Grace Kelly? Turn that shit off. <laughs> anyway, so Ned Kelly was born in the colony of Victoria, which is outside the colony that or the, the territory that surrounds Melbourne, southern mm-hmm. Australia, southeastern Australia. And um, his dad was, you know, Irish immigrant to Australia, but he actually had been sent to Australia as a criminal because a lot of European British settlers to Australia were criminals. Um, and so his fa- his family was one of the ones that were exiled to Australia. And he grew up in Australia and he rallied against um, the, uh, the Victoria police in, uh, in, in, in Australia. Okay. And he became what is known as a bush ranger, um, which. Oh, that sounds Canadian as fuck. Yeah. But being a bush ranger, oh, someone who ranges a bush ranger. Somebody who ranges the bush. I mean, I think that deserves a Pornhub uh, little. <laughs> but a bush ranger, he. Um... <laughs> so they basically that was like an Australian outlaw. They they basically took off into the country, and they like lived out there. They hid out there, and they like rebelled against. Um... <laughs> Playing the Canadian anthem. <laughs> We're talking about Australia. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fuck things. <laughs> so hold, then- hold up. Here, here we go. Put on, put on some like didgeridoo music. Just put on some didgeridoo music. Exactly. For this first. One. The first thing that pops up on uh, Pornhub is <laughs> <laughs> music. So Ned Kelly, like he was a bush ranger, he was like basically an outlaw in the bush in Australia, in the out in in outs in, in the country, and um, they they became he him and his brother and a couple of his friends or whatever became the Kelly Gang, and they were like a group of outlaws. Oh, they they would like stick up banks and stuff like that. And it ended up because his, his family, like he was constantly harassed by the police in Victoria. And, uh, uh, he, 
I tried to listen to the didgeridoo, but anyway, so he, 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 he fucking, uh, can you hear it? Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. My bad. He, um, so, so Kelly, like, do it again. Do it. Okay. So basically what happened was they stuck up a couple banks and like basically pissed off. They, he killed a couple cops actually. And, uh, they went after him and he decided that he was going to make his final stand in this one town. And they sent the cavalry in, right? The, the police in Victoria, they sent the cavalry in. And him and his buddies got all riding in on horses with didgeridoos. No, no. They literally made suits of armor out of cast iron, like shoulder plates and a chest piece and like an apron and a back plate and like a giant like cylinder helmet with an eye slit. And these fucking idiots were like, we're just going to run in and we're just going to start shooting at the cops with these, with all this armor on. And (laughs) they all got fucking killed except for Ned Kelly, who got shot a bunch of times and stuff in his foot and his legs and his groin and he got arrested they hanged him and like he's a symbol of like Australian pride I'm like this guy was a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) and as they hung him he expelled the sound Google Google image right now, like Ned Kelly armor, and you'll be like, "What the fuck were they doing?" Like, well, as you mentioned cast iron armor. All like, this is the guy. This is the guy who loses his arm in Monty Python. Yeah, he looks like the Black Knight, right? He looks like the Black Knight. So these guys put on this armor over their clothes, and they put on like heavy duty raincoats, and they just like ran at the police with guns. I mean, the funny thing is, is, it actually blocked. It blocked a few bullets, but like, wow, yeah, like these guys were. I'm tr- looking at the indents on some of this armor. Like oh. these, I mean, I'm sure one of these bullets would have knocked you down. Well, there was a couple times they said like he got shot, and he's like, "Yeah, it would have knocked you down." Like, like there was a couple times they said like he got hit, and he went down. But the, yeah, like he, they ran out there in these suits of armor, and they, they, what the one suit of armor, like they said, Ned Kelly's whole suit weighed like a hundred pounds. So like, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't got, be able to, uh, memorial here at Kate's cottage of Ned Kelly's armor, like it's posted up in its own little memorial here, and you can yeah. see a poster with the whole uh, like a plaque describing his history and everything. The man sported a hell of a fucking beard. Oh, yeah, he did. He had a bit of a beard. This guy's haircut? I have the same haircut as Ned Kelly. There you go. Would you run into police, though, with a suit of armor? Thinking that, was that suit of armor? Yeah, that thing looks insane. But if you were going to, that's not going to stop bullets. I might use it in Canada, but I wouldn't use it in the States because it's black armor. Ha ha ha! Oh, God. No, but um, yeah. So like, yeah, he's like he's seen as like a symbol of like Australian pride and like defiance of authority. But he also looks like an idiot. Yes, but like that. I guess it's a it's a it's a phrase in Australia. They say 
like like if somebody's like hey are you ready to go or like oh, are you ready for tonight or something to say like like oh hell yeah i'm ready to go they'll say like like what do they say they're like oh i'm as i'm as set as ned kelly i'm as set as ned kelly oh yeah because they're like yeah like that guy that motherfucker put on a suit of armor and just walked in there I can't believe he just. He, there wasn't much design concept planning that went in behind this design. Like he, he pretty much was like, "You see that bucket over there, honey? I'm gonna make that out of metal <laughs> and stick it on my." And then it looks like he just cut a slit for his eyes. Well, it said what they did was they they used a bush forge. So um, basically, they like a. Uh, just a giant fire out in the country and they stole plow boards off of like an old plow, like a, like a ox pulled plow. They yep. like took it and they heated it and they like wrapped it or the hot metal around like a, like just like a tree trunk. And they just banged it with hammers to like mold it to like, look like more cylindrical. It was pretty, they're, they're pretty darn smooth looking. Some of them before all the bullets and dents and stuff. These oh, yeah. look, these look like archaic, stormtrooper masks yeah it, it, it kind of yeah yeah yeah, but yeah it, it's like this like real kind of like hack just like like typical like some crazy australian is gonna do something like that <sighs> this is what we should go as for halloween <laughs> yeah members of the kelly gang just walk up to some cops and be like let's go because no one ever sees that armor on the streets here in Ed- like I've never seen that here in Edmonton. Yeah, but if you think that would be to make out of cardboard and spray paint black metal. <laughs> the thing about it though is that nobody here would get it. Like if you went around to that, we like spray paint a bunch of shit black and we walked around with like boxes, people would think we're like the black knight from Monty Python or something. Which is equally as good. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're the black guy from Monty Python. It's like, no, I'm Australian uh, fugitive and rebel Ned Kelly. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you look like an idiot. Exactly. Well, I mean, either way, his arm, like his armor is somewhat unsettling. It's fright. Like if I saw a group of six of those guys walking down the middle of the street, like 118th, three in the morning when there's no vehicles or by my old high school, I'd probably be shaken up. <laughs> by my old high school. Yeah, like they would be they would be pretty scary. I guess what happened was actually when uh Ned Kelly came out of the swamp and started shooting at the cops and like they were shooting back at him and like all the townspeople and all like the, the posse of the police, they like saw the bullets like bounce off of him and they thought it was the the devil. They thought he was the devil coming out of the swamp to come kill them. Or there's like a, an, a, an indigenous Australian folk tale about something called a bunyip, which is like a panther, sea dragon, swamp monster kind of thing. And uh, they, they thought he was they thought he was the bunyip coming out to get him. <laughs> Australians are so fucked up. <laughs> well, listen, you see this guy? Like, I mean, today he's like he saw this guy in a raincoat. And a fucking like a suit of armor like that running at you with a shotgun or like a like a rifle and some pistols. You know, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? And then there's like some guy standing there like, Ron, it's the bunny yip. It's like no, I, some lunatic I, in a fucking suit of armor. And then he just turns around 
and all you hear in the distance. Are you gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because they said like the one of the officers was like shooting at him, and they were shooting at him. They noticed that like he wasn't going down, right? Because all the bullets were bouncing off of him. And they said that like they could hear him laughing underneath, right? And they're like, the devil's laughing at us. And then he noticed that like his legs weren't protected. So the guy just shot him in the leg and he was like, oh, he like fell down. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how they got him. So he's like lying there on the ground like, ow, it really hurts. And then they just fucking went in and got him. So for for the longest time, people were just shooting at his chest. And then some genius was like, oh. Hey, he's got legs legs too. We should probably shot him in the fucking knee and then he dropped him. That's that's some Monty Python shit right there. Oh yeah. Hey, but like Australians are like (laughs) That's our greatest hero. The Robert? The knights who say who? We? Wait, is it who? Knee. Knee. The knights who say knee. We are the knights who say me, 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 Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. <laughs> Another trouble. Um. This one a little bit nicer, a, a little bit taller, with a little path going down the middle. A path, a path, a path. Hold on. Yes, you must give us all a good thank you. <laughs> bet you're gay. No, I'm not. <laughs> I bet you're gay. Well, yeah, because Lancelot comes and saves him from all the chicks in the tower. <laughs> we are far away. We burn up. <laughs> oh, God. We have found a witch. May we burn her? <laughs> How do you know she is a witch? Oh, she turned me into a newt. <laughs> He's like, a newt? He's like, I got better. <laughs> That's the bright side of the whole COVID thing, is that you can just relax at home now and absorb all this awesome content that you oh. haven't had the chance to catch up on. Yeah, to be honest, it's like, you know, it's going to suck for the economy. It's going to be a bit of a tricky time, summer, you know. I mean, oil is like you were mentioning, and that we were talking beforehand. Like oil's like fallen to almost like a record low. I mean, the the day I sent that message, it was at around like eight twelve, eight something a barrel. Yeah, and I I literally saw an ad for a bucket of KFC chicken for like twelve ninety nine, and was like, oh, a bucket of chicken costs more than a barrel of oil right now in Canada. Yeah, well, and part of the problem is, is like, yes, you know, the pipeline will help, but that's not it. You know, that's not everything. No. Oh, like that's, even if we got the one going out east to Quebec, which I'm in favor of, it's like, that's not all it's going to take. You know, people are just moving away from oil. That's just the reality of it. You know? Yep. There are different industries that are in the process of, of, you know, generating their peak and, and that's just the way it's going to be. I'm sure there are a lot of electricians that are still yeah. in work and dealing with the digital side of things and anything that has to do with renewable resources. There's people in the hydro industry and it just is the way that it is eventually. 
you know the one the one that i really want to do like oh i want to push more is nuclear power i think it's the best that we have available to us and it's so efficient really oh it's extremely efficient like for instance do you, how do you, the, the, the modern like people think nuclear they think chernobyl and it's a huge mistake because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw some science at you and i mean this is kind of like drunk science because i've drank an entire bottle of moonshine but That's, they had a we had a drunk history session where you did a graduation speech and talked about an iconic australian historical figure exactly it, it so basically, Chernobyl was uh, they used an, uh, an RBMK reactor, which uses uranium fuel, and it's graphite moderated, and it's a positive void coefficient. What does that mean? So, uh, basically, how that reactor worked, and it's mm-hmm. dangerous, is because the higher the temperature gets in the reactor, the more reactive the materials become. Nuclear. Mm-hmm and that's fucking dangerous because if you get something like i don't know a fucking meltdown <laughs> then you know, your whole your whole then there's yeah. one person looking at your entire city like i have you now and exactly. it is so, uranium so basically what happens in modern day reactors that they're used in the west so you know lwr boiling water reactors molten salt reactors is a negative coefficient so the higher the temperature gets the lower the reactivity it burns away the nuclear fuel Uh right so it's the opposite right that's the safe way because if you get a temperature spike your reactivity goes way down right if you completely cut your power and you don't shut down the reactor which is impossible because you can't sh- you can't reduce power without shutting down the reactor that's mm-hmm. when your activity goes up right but that's why the modern reactors keep it at a, at a constant equilibrium because that's how that whole metaphor comes through they say nuclear reactors don't explode because that's what the soviet union was saying at first is that nuclear reactors don't explode how the hell does that happen well what happened in chernobyl quite literally was they were using a they were doing a test so what happens is is that the, the gist of how a nuclear reactor works is the uranium fuel gets heated and creates steam. And yeah. liquid water gets put into the reactor, right, to cool that. And that's that the water causes the steam, right? The steam pushes the turbine. And that's how it generates the power and the electricity. Right? That's how you power cities without using combustion. So, yeah, but what happens is, is to moderate that as well, you have boron control rods in that reactor. So the control rods keep that temperature in check. So there's constantly water coming in. There's control rods. That uranium fuel keeps, heat, keeps getting heated up, heated up, heated up, and the water and the steam keep cooling it, blah, blah, blah. So you get this perfect cycle of heating up for steam and then the water to cool and then the water gets turned into steam and then more water cools and the control rods are moderating it and the uranium is accelerating it. And it's just that beautiful cycle. That's how a nuclear reactor works. So what they did was they held the reactor at half power. Now, one of the byproducts when, when uh, uranium goes through nuclear fission, which is splitting the atom, right? That's how you get that nuclear reaction. The Mm -hmm. uranium becomes there, there's a byproduct in that is it's called xenon and xenon stalls the reactor like it, it decreases reactivity so 
when you're holding it at half power, you had a buildup of xenon in the reactor in Chernobyl. So it stalled the reactor, essentially. It choked the reactor. So when they took out the control rods in the reactor, right, there's so much xenon in there that the uranium in, in water, the uranium is not able to heat up enough to generate steam, right? Yeah. So what they did in Chernobyl is then is like in, in a Western reactor, all you would have to do in that situation is bring in the control rods, uh, shut down the reactor and let the xenon burn away at a higher temperature. And then you would uh, actually all you'd have to do in a Western reactor, like a molten salt reactor, is you just basically just turn up the temperature, burn away all the xenon and then you're back to normal reactivity but because it was a positive voice coefficient you had to burn away all the xenon but you had to shut the reactor down to right let the reactor kind of reset so what they didn't do what that well they didn't do that so what they did was is they said well shit we're stalling the reactor we need more power so they took out all the control rods right and and that is where they fucked up. It's a few things. So the xenon's still there. They took out the control rods, and it still wasn't going away because they had water in. You had a lot of xenon, and it was choking the reactor and poisoned the core. Xenon or xenon? Which 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 one is it? Xenon, I've heard, or xenon. I think it's xenon. Xenon is the British pronunciation. Okay. I think we say xenon, but I think it's xenon. Um, so yeah, so the xenon's built up the, the water's in there. So what they did is they shut off all the water. So they shut off, they shut off the water into the reactor. But what happened was, is that they started to get an increase in reactivity, right? So they have no fresh coolant coming in. They have no control rods in and all of a sudden all the xenon burns away. The water turns into steam and you have a huge power spike. You have a power surge. Now they did this in Chernobyl because they believed they had a fail safe, which was their automatic emergency shutdown button. They hit that button and all the control rods move into the core. Now that would work because that would stall the reaction, right? And then they would just shut the reactor down. However, the Soviet Union was extremely cheap and they used graphite on their control rods for the tips of the control rods. But the thing about graphite is that graphite accelerates nuclear reactivity. Oh, shit. And you're like, why would they use that? It's like, well, because they're cheap. And instead of, you know, using titanium or using chromium, they used fucking graphite because it was cheaper. So when they hit the, 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 it was called the AZ5 emergency button, it, it, all the control rods started to move into place, but it, ruptured a lot of the fuel channels because the graphite lot stuck the tips in place without yeah. going completely all the way and it just was endlessly accelerating the reaction so it hit a critical mass i think they said the chernobyl reactor is supposed to run at about 3200 megawatts and the last reading they had before the explosion was 32,000. holy shit exactly it's like 10 10 times yeah 10 times um, so basically what happened is, is that it wasn't like a big explosion at first, like it wasn't a nuclear explosion because nuclear reactors don't explode, but it got so hot and there was so much steam and so much pressure in that reactor that yeah, it, must be cracked. It, 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 the, the, the lid 
on the reactor core with all the channel, the fuel channel and the control channels. Each one of those little square channels, they're only about, you know, maybe like six inches by six inches square channels. Each mm-hmm. one of those channels weighs about 800 pounds and there's probably something like, like 200 of those channels on there. So, I mean, this, this lid on the reactor weighed tons mm-hmm. and the pressure got so immense in that explosion uh, in, in there that it blew that lid clean off, threw it into the air. So what happened then is that when you have that happen, you have all this oxygen and everything that's outside rush into the reactor that wasn't there before. And what happens when you have highly flammable materials, oxygen, and a spark? But you get an explosion. You get an explosion. And that's exactly what happened in Chernobyl. A real cool explosion. Well, very devastating explosion because then it just leaked all the nuclear contents in the air and that was not All of that pressure built up and then it just... Pretty much. Pretty much (laughs) what happened. It was just... It was catastrophic. But that's because Chernobyl is very irresponsible, right? There hasn't been a major event like that in the West in decades. I don't think since the 60s. You have Fukushima in Japan... But that was because the Japanese built their reactor on the side of a, of, of a floodplain, and the nuclear union said, "Hey, you should maybe put in some fail safes to in case you guys get an earthquake and a tidal wave and a flood." And the Japanese said, "Well, that'll never happen." And then it happened. Um, so they were kind of stupid as well. But I mean, the technology yeah, that, that, that could have taken they could have used some preventative measures for that. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Now the thing about the nuclear power is like, you know, fission is really good right now, but the big advancement that they're working on is nuclear fusion. Mm, not fission, fusion. Not fusion. So fission is when you split an atom apart, but yeah. fusion is when you put two atoms together. So it essentially generates, I believe, not twice, but it'll generate almost four times the amount of power that a nuclear fission reactor will produce. And essentially, it's using the same physics as uh, a star. So nuclear fusion power is essentially like creating a miniature sun on Earth. And that's what we use to power our cities. Instead of using solar panels from the actual sun, we'll just make our own sun. Exactly. And that's that's one of those things where it's like they've actually been able to do it on a small scale. Just do it! <laughs> They've been able to do it on a small scale, but now they're trying to make it happen on a bigger scale, in like an industrial scale. And they're building that right now. They say they should have it ready by the mid-2020s. Well, but- and that's the scary part is that like there's always trial and error. And in the history of science, there have always, always been experiments that have gone wrong. And something like nuclear fission on a major scale... Fusion. If that went wrong, fusion, pardon me. If that went wrong, holy crap. Well, and that's the thing they said. It's like, you know, nuclear fission, you get like, you know, you could get a nuclear explosion like an atom bomb. But they said nuclear fusion. I mean, we're talking about four times, you know, the amount. Like, mm-hmm. think of the czar bomb, which was a nuclear fission hydrogen bomb. Yeah. So 100 megatons. We talked about this, I think. Where yeah, I think it was like a 60 kilometer radius or something like. Well, more than that. It, like, if, if, you, 
if you dropped uh, the the czar bomb as it was designed at 100 megatons if you drop that downtown edmonton edmonton would be completely uh, evaporated pretty much yeah um and like as far west as like like edson would like buildings would get blown over in edson and um like like glass would shatter like weak wooden structures would be destroyed um as far out as and almost hinton, pushing like 140 kilometers out oh yeah and like that's the thing like it, like hinton hinton would feel it hinton hinton would see the blast and you would potentially get um you, you would you're you're like if you you would be sitting in hinton you would feel like kind of a rumble and then like your glass windows would break in, in Hinton. But that would probably be like five minutes or two or three minutes or something after the blast. Yeah, exactly. It's got to take some time to, to work its way over. Yeah, so you would see like a great big light off. If you're in Hinton, like you would see a big light off to the east or uh, to, yeah, to the east. And you'd be like, holy shit, like what the hell is that? And you'd see the mushroom cloud. You'd be like, what the fuck? And then like literally a couple minutes would go by and then all of a sudden it would just be like, <clears throat> you would like, get knocked back and the glass in your house would like all break and like some of your furniture would get like thrown out or whatever, like tossed across. You'd be like, like it would be, you would actually have some devastation. Yeah. Um, and, and like as far South, like, like Beaumont would be gone. The Duke would be gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not so secret diary and all our diuretics would yeah. be gone. You you would you would probably feel the tremor in, in red deer. You would, you would see the light and you would see the, you would see the tremor in red deer. You would feel it, and like probably out towards, like past Toefield and stuff like that. You'd probably feel it in Toefield. You'd see it in Toefield. There are bombs out there currently right now that possess that power that are ready to be dropped. Um. Well, the Russians built the thing. The Russians designed the Tsar bomb for 100 megatons. They only built. Uh, we talked the the ones we mentioned. They they built the hydrogen bombs. Yeah, they built three czar bombs for fifty megatons, so about half that power. Because um, let's see here, like I can actually do the nuke map on this computer here. Have you ever been to the nuke map? Where they've dropped all of them off in the past for testing? Well, it's or like it's where, a, it's where a, they've actually gone off. It's a website where it's like you can uh, so it's like type in the name of the city. Let's go with Edmonton here. Um. Okay, we got it here. Uh, enter yield. Let's go preset. Uh, the Tsar Bomba, the largest US SR bomb tested or the one designed? Because the one they actually tested was only 50 megatons, but the one that they designed was for 100 megatons. I'm looking at this right now. So it's like, where would you like to drop your nuke? So I said Edmonton. I'm like, drop it right in the heart of downtown Edmonton by the river there. Okay. So let's go with the let's go with the fifty megaton one because that's the one they actually tested, right? So airburst casualties. Uh, we'll do radioactive fallout oh, instead of preset. So which preset? Yeah, did so you pick? see that I Zara, all the way down Zar Bomba, fifty megatons. Basic okay. operation. So we'll do do airburst. That's when it hits above the ground. Yeah, just above the ground. It's actually a bit more deadly. Um, casualties and check radioactive fallout, and then detonate. Boom! Look at that. Holy crap! 
So basically, uh, based off of like the based off of the current effects, it'll show you which direction the blast and shock will move out to. Yeah. So a lot of the fallout because of like the wind patterns and stuff in Alberta, a lot of the fallout would go northeast past Smoky Lake towards Lac La Biche. Yeah, to the Lakeland area there. Right. So here we go. Hold on a second. Um, oh, crap. So 500, 500 Rongen ionizing radiation dose, likely fatal in about one month. 15% of survivors will eventually die of cancer as a result. So um, that's like all of pretty much a big chunk of Edmonton gets radiated to shit. Uh, the fireball of the actual bomb takes up about half the city. Uh, the heavy blast damage, pretty much all of Edmonton gets heavy blast damage. So, like, it, everything would be lying. Burns for 60 kilometers. Whew. Yep. So, that's the thing, right? So, let's see here. See, where you're sitting right now, you would be outside of the heavy blast damage, but you would be at moderate blast damage. So, most buildings just collapse. Injuries are universal. Fatalities are widespread. The chances of fire starting in commercial residential air damage are high. Buildings are so damaged are at a high risk of spreading fire, often used as a benchmark for moderate damage in cities. Um, so, basically, where you're, where you're sitting right now, if there was a bomb drop centered downtown Edmonton, you, like your house would basically be destroyed. You'd probably be burnt to a crisp. Yeah, it's the, the direction of that wind pattern is like... Currently, if it happened right now, my house would be fried. Oh, yeah. Everybody's house would be fried. Like Edmonton is gone. It's gone. There's the great zone. There's the gray zone, which is like moderate to light blast damage, which yeah. is way passed out towards Fort Saskatchewan. Everyone yeah. will get like essentially burned, or buildings will go on fire. Well, that's kind of where I am. I'm just outside of the moderate. I'm in the light blast damage. So, but still. Um, glass windows can be, will break, uh, this caused many energies. Like I'll probably get third degree burns. Um, seeing the flash of the nuclear explosion, probably blind me, melt my eyes out. Uh, yeah, I would, I would probably, I'd probably be done too. Um, and then like, look at that 30 degree, like you can potentially get a risk of third degree burns. If they drop it in downtown Edmonton, like on away. But the radiation can, only blasts out about three and three point one well pi kilometers. <laughs> yeah, the radiation doesn't take up all that area. It's the blast that really takes it out the most. It's crazy now, how the radiation would still seep out towards like Nate oh, from yeah. downtown. That's a that's a pretty good distance. Now, if you hit that hundred megatons, one enter the yield. Oh yeah, that wasn't even the uh, detonate. Oh. Hundred megatons. Yeah, so that's a hundred megatons. Look at look at that. So Edson was a bit of a, an exaggeration, or Hinton was a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but like, like if, if the bomb dropped in downtown Edmonton. Oh, like, Onaway. Onaway's well, toast. Spruce Grove is toast. Yep, Devon, the Duke, Beaumont, Fort Saskatchewan, Mournville, uh, St. Albert, Sherman Park, obviously. But even like like Toefield, Wetaskiwin, Thorsby, Onaway, Lamont, all these places are going to get heavy damage. Even to Muscatchese, Pinoca, Mondaire, Vagraville, Smoky Lake, Westlock, Barhead, you know, Drayton Valley, Pinoca, Marathorpe, they'll feel it. White Court will feel it. 
Rocky Mountain House, Red Deer will feel it, Stetler. Like, that's crazy. It's interesting because the 100 megaton one doesn't have a radiation spread. Well, yeah, because I don't think, I think because they never actually tested it, they wouldn't actually know how that radiation would push. It's but it, still it's funny. Like, you could be in Vagraville and there will all, there. you'll probably still feel it in Vagraville. Oh, yeah. No, it's actually that, interesting, too. If you, if you, now, if you go to the inter yield, if you see um, uh, Fat Man, the Nagasaki bomb, the second nuclear bomb that they dropped in World War II, the one that was actually used on a population, if you actually look at how much damage it would do, like like downtown M2 would be toast, but like we'd be okay. <laughs> well, like you and I would be okay. We we. <laughs> I guess we'd be okay. It'd be, I'm sure we'd still feel a blast. Oh, we, would feel we would feel it. We would feel it. We might have broken windows. We might have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be looking at the blast explosion. It might blind you. But like, even then, like you, you would, I would feel it. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like, what the fuck? How like everything from Strathcona, basically like everything from Strathcona up towards past the Yellowhead would be fried. Yeah, like looking at it now, it's like the white mud to the yellowhead. And then from 149th to about 90th Argyle, that's kind of the range. Yeah, so anybody, the, new arena would the new arena would be gone. Yeah, anybody at Nate would be completely sizzled right now. U of A would be done. Radiation would kill everyone downtown, including the blast. But the, I mean, the actual like ionization ring there like that little heavy blast spot like the fireball radius basically the first one there yeah that's small man that's only 200 meters yeah it's not that big i mean in, in comparison to you know the the fucking czar bomb but i mean basically it's like you know like nuclear powers aren't at like if you zoom out of this even, right, you have to think about like how big a nuclear fusion bomb. It'd be more so like from Jasper National Park, probably to, you know, out to almost towards Lloydminster. And then as far north as like maybe Slave Lake. And then as far south as just past maybe towards Innisfail. Everything's I, I might sound I might sound stupid here, but are megatons or kilotons bigger? I think kilotons are bigger. No megatons are. So you're telling me this R12? Oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah megatons. megatons are bigger. Two point four two megaton. Oh my god! Which one? Sorry. The Soviet missile Cuban crisis. Two point two point two. Yeah, the ones that they were going to use in the Soviet missile crisis. That one will blast out to Fort Saskatchewan. Yep. I'm just looking at like the size of some of these and I'm like, oh, well, we've got obviously the Tsar bomb, but there's like the biggest one here in terms of weight, I think is 500 tons North Korean. Castle Bravo was the biggest American bomb ever tested. Look at the fallout on it. The fallout almost hits Northwest Territories. Which one? Castle Bravo is the biggest U.S. bomb ever tested. 
Where's that? It's near the bottom. Castle Bra Bravo, largest loose. Okay, 15 megatons. <laughs> yeah, not much, not much left. I mean, that one, the map didn't... Okay, finally the map wanted to uh, load up. These are insane. Like, the, oh, yeah. the, the heat. The heat from this bomb will roast people all the way past Lakeland Provincial Park up into northeast Alberta and into yep. Saskatchewan all the think... way almost up to Yellowknife. Oh, yeah. This this is you feel the heat from that that far away. Well, a lot of it's like the heat radiation because I think some of these bombs were like this is based off of the test. So it's like a fallout wind, the contour. Oh man, I would be so fried. I'm oh, just yeah. looking for a direction, and I'm like, oh look. Clairview, the neighborhood that I live in, literally is in the path of a red zone and would probably just burn completely. Oh, yeah. Like, the one I'm in. Like, I'm... Beaumont is inside the fireball radius. So, like, I'd be incinerated in a fireball. You would be incinerated in a fireball before you even felt that radiation. And the fireball radius is that light orange one that goes out past like Spruce Grove and Leduc. Um, or is that the thermal radiation? That's yeah, fireball, and then like yeah, thermal, and then uh, yeah, basically yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah, there's the fallout contour. Like and one of the only ones, like I think of like the Davy Crockett. It's like the smallest U.S. nuclear bomb ever made. It's like that one barely takes out a chunk of downtown. <laughs> oh wow! Only a hundred deaths. Ah, we could live with that. Oh yeah, that's tiny. Like that would that's that's crazy to think that that would be considered a nuclear bomb. That's so small. Well, it's, it's, it's just like yeah. injured 170 and then just stay away from the radiation. Pretty much. Essentially, the only thing we're learning from this is that nuclear bombs are scary as fuck. But nuclear power is pretty cool. <laughs> here we went on. I put on, a, I put on a track here of futuristic epic music <laughs> while we were talking about that. And ah. 20 minutes we were talking about bombs there. Pretty scary. We've got but, full, we've got a full boring ass episode on just atomic bombs right there. We have we have a hell of an episode here. I think it's time we go to bed. <laughs> I know I'm I'm staring at a bong that's been waiting for me to smoke it for the well, longest time. Then I'll, I'll let you hit that bong. I think we should sign off here. All right, that was part two of quarantine, and uh, we're, we're hope you you enjoyed our drunken rambling and trying to play bass and talking about nuclear explosions yeah craig is literally he's officially i don't know if it's one or two mason jars deep just the one just the one it was a gift it's now in my tum tum <laughs> well i was so happy to be able to spend 
this quarantine session here with you. I'm sure we're going to do more digital podcasts here since we're not allowed to see each other in person. <laughs> exactly. And the this quarantine, these two quarantine episodes were brought to you by Nike. <laughs> what? You, you got you got to be on that. You got to be on the the, the, the hotkey for you know what's what's Nike's slogan? Just do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We're gonna try that one again. <laughs> We're gonna keep all this in, but. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Nike. Just do it. <laughs> oh, wow. Work for you. Nike doesn't sponsor us in any way, shape, or form. I have to say that for legal reasons. Exactly. Get him out of here. Get out. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to get ourselves out of here. We're going to get out, rest up, try and stay safe and healthy, as you should as well. Um, please. I don't know, practice safe isolation, whatever you want to tell them out there, Craig. Practice uh, practice safe isolation sex. <laughs> oh, okay, we're out. <laughs> that is not so secret diary quarantine part two. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. What the fuck? <laughs>